Welcome back into the Young Turfs podcast, episode 187, and we are back. Finally, it's been a while, Mason Viner alongside Jack Rothenberg. And Jack, it's football season. The Terps uh, topped West Virginia on Saturday. You were out there. Uh, what's your initial take? Yeah, it was a great game. The atmosphere was crazy. A lot of students were there. But my initial takeaways were that Leo looked very comfortable in the offense. Just, I've said this multiple times. I think in his second full season in a Loxy offense, I think he's going to do great. He showed that on Saturday. He looked comfortable in the pocket. He used his legs well. But it was also Loxley drawing up great plays to get his best players in a position to make plays. And you saw that with Demas having a big day and Rock Jarrett as well. Yeah, and, and kind of going off of your point, I thought it was a simple offense. What Mike Loxley drew up a lot at Alabama, he has the talents on the outside, Demas, Daryl Jones, Brian Cobbs, uh, and obviously Rock Jarrett, and allowing uh, Leah to step up in the pocket, work through his progressions, make the quick reads that his Alabama offense allowed. And then Leo was able to deliver strikes when they needed it. He didn't throw the ball into too much traffic. He kept the game simple and Maryland uh, just kind of outlasted a West Virginia team that just made too many mistakes. Yeah. I think late in the game when um, in the red zone, the Terps picked off uh, West Virginia and they, there was eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were up by two, and they could have gone conservative. Loxley could have just ran the ball, taken some time off the clock, but instead they ran through their regular offense. They got a first down, and on a big third down play, Rock Jarrett went all the way and scored a touchdown. So I think that was like that was a big point in the game for me because they showed that they didn't want to be conservative, and they kept running through their regular offense, and it showed they, they pulled away in the end. Yeah, and that's what Maryland's going to rely on if you looked at – uh, even their final drive where Teon Fleet Davis broke a big run uh, to kind of ice the game off. That's that's a spot where you've seen Maryland make mistakes in the past. They fumbled the ball. They've gone three and out. But the Terps kind of broke through in, in a lot of ways. Um, going back a couple years, you know, Maryland obviously week one back-to-back beat Texas. And those were huge wins for the program. But to me, and, and Jack, I'm not sure as much to you, this one meant a little bit more. Beating Texas was great, and those were fantastic wins for Maryland. But West Virginia is a team that Maryland goes up against on the recruiting trail and has played at least the first half of my life every year, and not a lot of those were wins. It was a more important win to the fan base and locally, I think, than than the Texas ones were. Yeah, I think the other thing about that is West Virginia, while they're not Texas, they're still a big-name program. So beating any big-name program is going to draw that attention, be a great win. And I think just for Loxley, this is a great building off point going into the next game against Howard should be an easy one. But I think it's just like a great confidence booster for this entire team. Yeah, I definitely think that. And now um, looking ahead, which we'll do in a couple of minutes here, the Terps will take on Howard this Saturday night, a 730 kick between the Terps and the Bison uh, from Howard. But kind of going back to the game from Saturday, one of my big takeaways was the fans. You know, obviously Maryland doesn't finish their scoreboard in classic uh, Maryland athletics fashion on the left or the the closed end of the horseshoe that Maryland Stadium is, but a new video board or replacement screen to the video board on top of Gossett team house and a new sound system and Jack what seemed to be just a much improved fan experience, which is one thing that many have complained about. Yeah, from kickoff, I'm pretty sure the entire student section was filled 
And at least until halftime, it was basically the same. Some students ended up leaving, but for the majority of the game, there were a good amount of students there. And we were talking about this off air. I think students tend to leave the games because one bad thing happens. They go down 10, 17 points, something like that. And everyone just leaves because, oh, Maryland has no chance. But they stayed in this game. There's a lot of hype around this team with Leah and the big playmakers that, that Maryland has this season. So I think if they can just stay in the games, be competitive, I think in the future you'll see the fans stay longer as they haven't done in the past. Yeah, a game that you have to look at when you're talking about that is the Penn State game from two years ago. You know, Maryland has this massive hype, extra bleachers added. Um, nobody could even really get tickets to the game as far as students. Everybody wanted to go. Obviously, Maryland got clobbered in that game, and it was pretty quickly, and, and, and people leave. You know, the students leave, the fans leave. But when you talk about the way Maryland came out in this game, you know, they get the ball first. They get three points. West Virginia fires back. And then Maryland, in basically a snap of a finger, is up 17 to 7. And it's just that exciting brand of football that going way back, Randy Etzel talked about bringing to Maryland. You know, with Danny O'Brien, that first uh, year where they played uh, Miami in the original Maryland Pride game, that brand of football Michael Oxy is actually bringing to Maryland. We'll see if they can hold on. Yeah, definitely. I know um, one more thing about the fans is that when there are a bunch of fans on Saturday, West Virginia, I think it was like 65-35. West Virginia had a good amount of fans there, and it's important for Maryland to have as many fans as they did on Saturday because they need to balance out and overpower the West Virginia fans to give Maryland that extra push and give them the energy they need to finish off the game. And it was great. And, you know, we heard about this a little bit in the postgame press conference. Michael Oxley has now mentioned it. Uh, a couple times over, and Jack, uh, one of Maryland's barstool athletes, Colton Spangler, one of the punters, uh, was was very vocal about it online. It was nice to see Coach and the players say, that pushed us over the top. We need that every week, and, and kind of go out and challenge the fan base, especially the student base, to show up like they did. You know, that's one of the things that Maryland doesn't have. And when, you know, this last weekend was a big recruiting weekend, the open period for the NCAA just came back up and running, you know, Maryland needs that. They need when they bring in all their alumni. I mean, Stefan Diggs was out there. Ricardo Young, who's a player, uh, who was a player at Maryland, who's now a big player in the Miami club scene uh, with a lot of NFL guys in his in his pocket. Uh, those guys are out there. Jalen Smith, Bruno Fernando, Maryland's big time, both football alumni, basketball alumni, and just sports teams were out of this game. They have to to have crowds like this if they want to push it over the top in the recruiting aspect and really just to bring a fan experience back to a stadium that, to be honest, and I've been going since uh, almost every home game since 2006, has really not not had that kind of fan base, hasn't really had big atmosphere. And uh, going back, you know, a number of years, Maryland played a ranked North Carolina team one year, must have been a 12 o'clock old like Raycon Sports ACC game. And Maryland ended up beating North Carolina. They stormed the field after, but there was nobody there. And it was nice to see them have a game against not a ranked opponent, not the huge name team, but, you know, a classic game against West Virginia and to see the fans out there. Definitely. And something that gets those fans going is a, a big defensive play. And there were a number of those on Saturday. Mason, how did you, you see the defense play on, on Saturday? I thought that it was classic Brian Stewart coach defense. Uh, early in the game, I think Maryland 
from a ske- from a schematic standpoint, seemed to be a little bit out of sorts. You know, Brian Stewart's known for bringing almost a Don Brown-esque uh, pressure scheme to things. You know, a lot of corner blitz. I think Tarheeb still was blitzing more than Maryland's linebackers were in this game. He came up with a sack and eight tackles. Um, but when you look at it, it seemed a little bit confusing to the guys going up against another team. But as the game went on, Maryland really wore down West Virginia. They forced some bad passes, and and to be honest, they gave them some bad passes, and Maryland was able to take advantage of them. But they forced some bad plays. The number one thing that I look at from the defense in this game is third and one play, uh, Brown, the running back for West Virginia, who I thought Jack was absolutely fantastic, fumbles the ball, and, and Maryland's Brandon Jennings knocks it out. Uh, that's my number one play, because not only did they force a fumble on that play, but if you go back and watch it, they also stopped West Virginia, who's a fantastic team on the ground, from getting one yard. That's a spot where Maryland's never succeeded, at least in the past 10 years. Yeah, definitely. And a couple big plays for me, it was when Maryland got pressure up the middle. It was with Sam O, a couple of the other guys on the defensive line. It was when they got pressure up the middle on Jared Dodge that they caused him to get out of the pocket, move around, and he threw erratic passes. That And that's when he got picked off. When And they were also able to get sacks, put them in third and long situations and get off the field. So I think that's going to be a key moving forward for this team is will they be able to get pressure? And if so, I think they have great, good enough D-backs to make plays on the back end to change the game and, and get turnovers and basically, yeah, flip the entire, entire switch of the game. Yeah. And that, that was it for me. And the, the, of course, when you're talking about Maryland's defense, you, and you already mentioned it earlier, Jack, the Jacorian Bennett play in the corner, uh, Neil Brown, the coach for West Virginia talked about it uh, a little bit. And he said that, you know, it was a play where a guy being Jacorian Bennett, uh, falls off of his zone and just chases the ball down. And those are like almost fluke plays in the sense of he can't really blame his quarterback for it. I, I agree with him. From the West Virginia standpoint, you're looking at a corner that just read the eyes of the quarterback, read the tracked the ball down, just made a play on the football. But even IQ plays like that for Maryland's defense, especially with Coach Stewart uh, in place, those are the kind of plays you need. You're getting guys to the ball. It's an attack defense, and it's one that's not going to sit back and allow teams to beat them. Now, we'll see, you know, coming up in two weeks when they play Illinois, and then four when they play Iowa in that Friday night game, how Maryland does against teams that really like to run the football, classic Big Ten teams. Uh, And I do have to, you know, say, because I'm one that's always said things like this, West Virginia is a Big 12 team. I don't really think that highly of the Big 12. West Virginia is a defense-based team. They're a little bit different from the Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State type. But everyone's got to just take a step back. Maryland's been very good against the Big 12 teams. The Big 10 has been very good against the Big 12 teams. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like we've seen this before. I've seen Maryland come out with a couple big week one wins and then fall off. It's about staying healthy through especially this next game and then uh, getting back on on the track against Illinois and Kent State. And Kent State, you can't really rule out. They might give Maryland a little bit of trouble. They gave Texas A&M, the number four team in the country, a tight game until about the second quarter, about midway through the second quarter. So a couple things to look forward to. Uh, Jack, what do you expect to see this Saturday night? Maryland takes on Howard, first from a crowd expectation, and second uh, from the football game. I think it's definitely going to help out that it's a night game a little bit. 
a regular 12 o'clock game versus Howard, I don't think would attract that many people. Definitely it being 7.30, I think it, it'll be nothing like it was against West Virginia, but I think it'll be a, it'll be a good enough crowd that, they, that the team needs versus Howard because I think they should be able to take care of Howard pretty easily, shouldn't have any problems. But as you were saying earlier, I think the biggest concern for Maryland going into this game is to come out of it healthy. They don't need to be getting all banged up against Howard going into that Illinois game, which you know is going to be physical, going to Illinois. That's just that's the biggest concern I have going up against Howard. Yeah, in Illinois, and, and this one was on my list of plays for this weekend, and Illinois disappointed a loss at home to UTSA uh, was the result for the Illini this last weekend. They were like a six-and-a-half-point favorite coming in, Jack, and, well, uh, I don't know what, what – did it, but I definitely played the Illini and was a, was a little bit disappointed uh, after that week one win against Nebraska. But I, I agree with you. This is like a big tailgate game for Maryland from a fan perspective. It's a night game against a team that you know you're going to beat. A lot of people are going to be out in the parking lot before the game. We'll see how many of them show up in the stadium. I think I think it's definitely one of those. From the football aspect, this is you got to stay healthy through this one. Uh, I'm looking for Leah to be out of the game. I don't know what a reasonable expectation is, Jack. I'm thinking like halfway through the oh, second. Yeah, I was just about to say how, maybe around halftime. And I'm really excited to see both the Turfs' backup quarterbacks, uh, the transfer from VMI, whose name escapes my mind right now, and David Faust, who uh, came on to the Turfs as a walk-on from South River High School uh, in Howard County. So two guys that I'm looking to see at quarterback position, a couple other places you need to – I'm looking forward to seeing – Two to three freshman running backs, maybe Antoine Littleton gets some run. Maybe Penny Boone gets back in the mix for the Terps. But Robin Hemby and uh, Colby McDonald, two incoming freshmen, I'm l- really looking for them to get some run out there. They've been really uh, highly spoken of by the insiders uh, around the program, and, and guys are really excited to see them. I'm thinking Jason Jones gets back in the mix for the Terps. He's had a hamstring problem. He was on Mar- Maryland's, and Jack, I really had a hard time believing this. So I almost did a double take. He was on their scout team offense team of the week this week. Can you believe that? Jason Jones on the scout team team of the week? Yeah, he, he was banged up a little bit in training camp, which makes it makes it make a little bit more sense, but it's still a little shocking to me based on what he's done for the program in the past. Yeah, and we saw Brian Cobbs a little bit in the backfield. I'm thinking Maryland's going to try that look out a little bit. And then the secondary, I think they're going to look at some of their depth positions, middle linebacker uh, being one of them. They're going to try and get some run in there now that it looks like Fanange Gote might be done for the season. And then safety, uh, Oseta Smith, who's now listed at middle linebacker and safety for the Terps. I'm looking to see some run out of him. Uh, Bo Braid, who was a really highly uh, a really highly touted three-star recruit out of Howard County. Uh, I'm expecting to see him get some play. And then Corey Cooley, one of their defensive backs, who played kind of both uh, corner and safety listed right now as a corner out of here, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he will get some run, too. It's looking like the game that, you know, you, you can't go into it thinking you're going to completely roll over Howard, but Maryland did beat them 79 to nothing uh, the last time the two met. Yeah, and one more thing about a player to watch. I'm really interested to see Penny Boone, hopefully this Saturday. He's been dealing with a concussion. Hopefully he'll be back. And he is a guy who got a lot of looks last season. And I think I think he could do great things for the Terps this season. So I really, I'm hoping he's out there on Saturday because I want to see what he can do. I definitely 100% agree with you. I was really excited to see him play. Um, following him on Twitter a little bit preseason, 
He lost between 40 and 50 pounds, cut down his weight significantly, bulked up. Uh, you know, he's a little bit bigger than I think they expected him to be last year, to put it nicely. And uh, I'm really looking forward to him. He was a big recruit for the program. Him and Isaiah Jacobs. I think uh, Jacobs showed a lot on Saturday. He isn't quite all the way there. I don't think he's quite where the program wants him. But, you know, getting better game over game. And I think Penny Boone is one of the X-Factor players for Merrill. And they have to find a number one running back, even though when they've had them in the past, which they've had now for the past, what, 10 years, uh, it hasn't pushed them over the top. But this year with the quarterback play being where it is with the receivers, they need to find a running game. Yeah, definitely. One more overarching question I have for you, Mason, real quick. How far do you think that the Terps can take this winning streak? I, I think I think they looked great on Saturday, so I'm, I just want to get your opinion on it. Yeah, and, and this is one of those spots where I always try and bite my tongue, but you ask the question, so I will answer it. I, I think they definitely win on, on Saturday night. I think they beat Illinois on the road. I think they beat Kent State. That Iowa game is the one. You know, Iowa looked fantastic. Uh, against Indiana. They absolutely pummeled the Hoosiers. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that, but probably the worst thing that I saw this weekend had to be the misspelled Indiana on the Indiana jerseys uh, that Adidas made for them. That was that was something. But really, another really telling game for Iowa this weekend, kind of looking ahead down the line, Iowa takes on Iowa State in that rivalry game. Then Iowa plays a common opponent for the Terps. They take on Kent State back at Kinnick uh, next Saturday. Then they play Colorado State before coming to Maryland.
Um, I kind of missed the old Turf Talk stuff, but, you know, being down here on ESPN Plus is, is a lot of fun. And we'll be back here on the podcast next week. Thanks for listening.